The following is a Joel Mahalik production. The following episode of the Joel Mahalik Show takes place between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Life's sweetest reward Let it flow It floats back to you Soon we'll be making another run The love boat All that I hope for is a Tonight, Grammy and Emmy Award-winning composer Charles Fox. Charles is one of the most celebrated composers of the late 20th century, having written such musical gems as I Got a Name, Ready to Take a Chance Again, as well as over 100 television show themes. We'll learn what it was like to be working with Gary Marshall, Jim Croce, Barry Manilow, and many more. Tonight on The Joel Mahalik Show. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Welcome to the program, everybody. Hello, and how are you? It's Sunday night here on the Big Big Show. Glad you can make it by. My name is Joel Mahalik. Joining me in studio tonight, Mr. Don Beam. Don, good evening. Good evening, sir. Without further ado, tonight on the program, we have with us uh, one of the uh, greatest composers of, I would say, uh, my generation, Tony's generation, and uh, he has been composing music, pop music, television, motion picture music, and uh, other stuff as well, which we'll find out about uh, for quite some time now. Charles Fox, you may not know the name, but you will know his work, like uh, some of the montage that you heard coming in. 
So please welcome to the program, Mr. Charles Fox. Charles, good evening, sir. Hi there. How are you, Joe? Nice to speak to you. I'm doing very well. It's nice to speak to you. Welcome to the program, and thank you for your time. My pleasure. Uh, Looking forward to it. Uh, you, sir, are responsible for everyone on this staff's soundtrack of their youth. <laughs> yes. I never, so, I never mind that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very pleasurable thing to, to hear that um, <laughs> the things that I wrote, you know, many years ago are, are first of all, had impact on people who are watching the shows and listen to music on records and radio. And uh, it's a great it's a great feeling. So thank you for saying that. Uh, and, and it's true. Now, also, with all the television themes that you wrote, here's the other thing. You know, a lot of these shows, if not all of them, you know, there's so many channels out there on the television anymore. They're in syndication somewhere or other. And I can tell you firsthand, just from seeing it through my children, that your music, these soundtracks to these television shows and in these movies, you're you're gaining more fans with yet another generation who are well, catching up to it 30 years later or yeah. 40 years later. How does that make you feel that you're constantly collecting fans? I have a little seven-year-old granddaughter who we took her to a concert the other day and she was singing happy days, which gave me a great thrill. You may hear it personally <laughs> like that. I have to tell you, I've, I've traveled many countries around the world. And when you see those shows playing in other countries, I mean, I've seen like the fans and with a Hungarian accent, you know, and German and, <laughs> Uh, Love Boat in uh, in, in Israel. Um, it's a very nice feeling to know my music or companies in it. And actually, some of those uh, shows, I had records also, which were hit records in those areas, too. So in, in, separate and apart from the television shows where they appear, they're just on the radio as, as songs. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel I, great. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just thrilled with that. And Happy Days is yet one pop song that you, you would still hear playing on uh, stations that do... 70s music uh, exclusively or as an additional uh, genre, like, you know, a, a mix of genres. But so th- that even made a pop thing. Now, an interesting thing, uh, there's an interesting piece of trivia that uh, I want to ask you about regarding the record that you see in the intro to that television show. The uh, Smithsonian had, uh, had called uh, a few months ago that they have a new American permanent American music Wing collection. Did I have anything to contribute to that? And I said, well, I, I thought about it and said, well, I have this record that was the record that the record that was dropped on the jukebox and played at the beginning of the Happy Days uh, main title, which was one of a kind. Uh, if you would slow down your machine, you would see that it just says Happy Days on, the, on this 45 record, Happy Days music by Charles Fox, lyrics by Norman Gimbel. And uh, the producers gave me that as a sort of a gift many, many years ago, and it's been sitting in a frame in my, you know, in the collection of other things that I have uh, for all these years. So I said to them, "What about this record?" And I said, "That would be perfect." So that record now is going to sit next to the uh, the Fonzer's jacket at the Smithsonian as a permanent exhibit, and that makes me feel pretty cool. I mean, they asked me that I want to um, give it to them, to will it to them, or I like to give it to them now, and I said. I want to see it there now. I don't want to wait until after I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> now, was there? Did you have a a uh, Did you have a bout of uh, separation anxiety taking the the record that had been in your possession and then hand, you know passing the torch, so to speak? Honestly, it wasn't even up on my wall or anything. It was just sitting in the back room, collected with a lot of other things, which uh, which I keep that you know have to do with my life and my career. 
uh, no, I'm, I was just thrilled about the opportunity to do it. They actually call it being inducted into the song to the uh, Smithsonian. Well, and that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Thank you. Uh, I, I thought that was really cool, uh, especially when I had had read about it and I found out that it was the actual record that was dropped down on a jukebox. Because again, you know, Happy Days was uh, you know big when I was a child. So every night. You know, you saw that record drop down on the jukebox. And you know, it's it, funny, it, it Henry Winkler used to say when he would go on the air, like in the Tonight Show or something, that the uh, the band would play him on with with that song because, you know, it's a connotation of the show. And, uh, and he said, that song follows me, follows me around like a tail every place <laughs> I go. <laughs> so now it's going to sit next to him. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm tickled well, about that, too. Well. I think it's cool. Right. And so other than uh, television themes, Monday Night Football, a lot of people don't realize that you are the composer of that theme music as well, which is and that's another piece that's just been, you know, going on uh, for decades. Another one that just carries on and has become another earmark of sound to to, you know, anyone who even remotely knows what football is, they would know your theme. And, and and that's why you know we, when we when we cut the promos and we were uh, you know promoing the fact that you were going to be here on the program, you know we kept telling people you know you may not know his name but boy do you know his work, and probably every single piece of it. <laughs> well, the first and, thing I wrote for television, actually the first theme I wrote for television, was in 1965 for Wide World of Sports, and you know all these things have stories behind them. When, when we did Wide World of Sports. ABC themselves thought they would try to do a sports anthology series that had never been done before, so they, they figured they would give it a shot. And lo and behold, it was... Uh, now, that's one of the few themes that I've written that, that don't have lyrics, but they have words associated with it called the victory, uh, thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, which also has become quite iconic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then about two years later, ABC came out with, with Monday Night Football, and again, they didn't know if, if the wives of America, the women of America, would tolerate the husband sitting home watching football on a Monday night. <laughs> I think the women eventually joined them and became football fans. Oh, it's absolutely. Many years. However, I must be honest, my, my theme uh, was the original theme, uh, but after seven years, it was replaced. And I think they've had a number of The only one of my themes that I ever wrote that was replaced was something else many years later. Mm. Uh, I have done myself... Um, Newer versions, for example, uh, even Happy Days and The Love Boat, which Jack Jones sang so so wonderfully. After ten years, Aaron Spelling um, asked me if I would do a newer version, and and with a different singer, I asked Diane Warwick to do it. So the last two years of the show, Diane Warwick, Diane Warwick, and uh, and the same with Happy Days, uh, we had a new version because they try to squeeze out as much freshness as they can after after some time on the air. Right. Right. Uh, I, you know, but the, the thing with those with uh, with those shows are is they they really need, need to be refreshed. I mean, they just like I said, they just constantly, you know. The and I I don't feel this way with shows now. There's a, there's a lot of shows I just can't watch a lot of television anymore. I mean, because the the shows Love Boat, Laverne and Shirley, Love American Style. These shows are the kind that you can sit back and keep watching reruns, and you really never get tired of them. And I don't know what it is, but you know. So, but you have worked not okay not only in television and movies, and this is uh, the basis of your book, which is "Killing Me Softly: My Life in Music," is about the fact you've worked with so many great people. And I didn't even know until I I, I started the book. Lena Horn. I mean, you know, I mean, Fred Astaire. You just you you have worked with so many people, and Fred just like Astaire your was, music, 
you have a story that there's a story behind everybody you worked with. Who was, I mean, who are you, some of the favorites that you've worked with? Well, Fred Astaire, of course, was an amazing experience for me. Norma Gimbel and I wrote a song from, it was for a television movie, but um, it, was a, it was a movie about um, these old-timers living in a retirement hotel, and they wanted to see if they had any life in them yet. And, uh, and there was a, a very uh, horrible person, uh, I think of like Nurse Ratchet, you know, from that movie years ago. Um, and they really wanted to break break the bounds of, of the restrictions in, the, in where they lived. And they went out and they stole a, a, a train. And they were zooming down the, the track. Of course, it was all in fun, you know. And uh, and they wanted something to accompany that, that they would say they're, they're still young at heart. So we asked Fred Astaire to sing a song, and he said he would. So we wrote a song just for Fred Astaire. And, uh, you know, Fred Astaire was legend. I mean, one of the great legends of film. And it was a thrill just to, to meet him and to know him. But, but then to go to his house and, and rehearse with him. And, and, and curiously enough, the piano where we rehearsed was in his bedroom. And he used to sit on the edge of his bed singing. And I was at the piano next to him. And uh, and I would realize, and here I am in Fred Astaire's house, and he's singing my song. And, and of course, when we recorded, he was he was the most dapper man in the studio. Came with a blue blazer and an ascot and charming to work with, absolutely charming to work with, and gave it his all. He's in his 80s already. And at the point where I was happy with his performance, because I produced it, um, he said, uh, can I can I do it again? I said, of course, Fred, we'll, we'll do it until you're, you're satisfied. And he kept pushing himself, take after take, and finally said to himself, oh, come on, Fred, you can do better than that. And he, you know, he was this living legend who was already as good as it gets, and he was pushing himself to do better. So, of course, that was an incredible experience. And I've been very fortunate in my life to, to work with some of these, these uh, fascinating and, and outstanding uh, legends in the field. And uh, so it's been a, a, a great treasured memory for me having those experiences. So Fred was a class mm. act then, just as he seemed on screen. He was a class act. He was mm. truly a class act, yeah. Now, you've also worked with, uh, like I said, you worked with Lena Horne. You worked with Barry Manilow. You did some really nice work with him. Well, I'll tell you an interesting story about Lena Horne. Yes, I did work with Barry Manilow. We wrote a, we wrote a song. Well, this was a, for a film called Foul Play. And um, there was, a, there was a, a need for a song at the beginning of the picture that would tell that Goldie Horn was supposed to listen to while she was driving on this beautiful scenic road above San Francisco. It was a high shot coming from a helicopter. And the, the music was supposed to plant a seed in her mind that she was going to sing along with, that it was okay to take a chance. Mm -hmm. That was what was in the script. And we had to write the song in this case before the, the film was shot because we needed her to sing along with it or hum along with it at least. So we, it, even before the film was shot, we, we thought of who would be the, the best singer. Who she would, who was a big hit artist of the day and that Goldie Hunt could sing along with them. Of course, there was no one bigger at that time in the late 70s than Barry Manilow. So I didn't know Barry Manilow yet, but we decided that if we wrote a good Barry Manilow song that we might get lucky. And sure enough, all those things happened. You know, Barry heard the song, and he knew it was written for him, and he, and he loved it right away, and uh, he gave us uh, an incredible recording of it, which he, he still performs in his act to this day. And uh, Absolutely. He's such and a great guy, and, um, and it was just one of those things where everything came together, you know. So when so when you wrote this song, and, and is this typical? I mean, um, for this song, so you, you decided, you, you guys decided, or thought about at least, who would sing the song before you actually got to work on putting the song together? 
usually you have someone in mind. Yeah, for the for the kind of film that it is, you you want to marry the voice with the character. Well, I'll tell you another story. Another film that worked very well for me. Well, we didn't have that in mind, and but the change worked even better, and that was a film called The Last American Hero. Mm-hmm. It was Jeff Bridges' first film, and we had written a song for the film that uh, we kind of set up the, the character, who Je- Jeff Bridges' character was. You know, when you do a, a main title for a, main, for a, song, a, a film, rather, you don't want to give away the film. And at the end of the film, you don't, you don't want to wrap up the film because the audience has just seen it. So there's no reason to wrap up what the film was about. But even worse than that, you, you don't want to tell the story of the film in advance. So really, basically, what you want to do is something that introduces this, the audience at the beginning of the film to what this picture is kind of all about and, and some, some familiarity with the character so that by the time you see him, you know something about him. So we had done that, and we, we had a specific voice in mind, and he agreed to do the song that we wrote. And when it came down to it, we waited and waited, and he hadn't finished the recording, and finally said he just, he just couldn't do it at the time. And, and it, was, it was a kind of a blow to us, because now we had to scurry about and find some of the last minute that could sing the song, and then hopefully give us a record that, that could make some noise. Well, there was a young artist coming up on the charts with a song called Operator, and his name was Jim Croce. Mm-hmm. And there was very little time left, so we called Jim Kirchner, reached him on the phone, and played the song for him over the phone. Yeah, I always and, found that interesting when I read about that. Yeah, and and um, he, over the phone he said, "I'll do it." He said, <laughs> "I was uh, moved by the song." So I I made a full track of the of the orchestra in California on the 20th Century Fox soundstage with strings and everything, and I brought the whole track to New York to work with Jim. And when I met him the first time. We said hello and all that, and he asked me to hear the songwriter. We hadn't he hadn't heard it since the first time, so I sang the song to him at the piano, and he said he he knew he had to do this song because he knew it would make him feel closer to his own father who passed away uh, before fulfilling his own dreams. Well, tragically, that happened to Jim Kirchner. You know, he, his plane crashed. But I'll tell you about Lena Horne now. Uh, curiously enough, I, I never worked with Lena Horne. I never I never met Lena Horne, from what I know. But uh, my experience with Lena Horne is still very touching because years later, after Jim Croce's... Uh, by the way, the song was called I, I Got a Name. I Got a Name, right. And it went on to become one of his biggest records. And actually, because it was one of the only, if not the only r- record that he had as a hit record of a, of a song he didn't write. A lot of people think that Jim Croce wrote that song, and I'm always kind of flattered to hear that because he wrote such great songs. Um, but uh, but in fact he that was the only song he that he had hit with that he didn't write, and and years later his wife Ingrid called me uh, if if I would come down to San Diego and look through some of the music that he left over if I would finish some of the songs, and I said gosh uh, Ingrid I, I'd be honored to do that wow you know thank you for asking me so she said well who else she said you're the only other person who saw me sing, but what happened years later was uh, I heard that Lena Horn was doing that song getting that but. Um, she did was uh, was Stormy Weather, which is kind of a signature song. She did about a minute's worth of that, and she went immediately, immediately into her version of I Got a Name. And she did it really very differently than Jim Croce's version. But she she brought the house down, and she made it very intense, and also about her father. And also she kind of uh, uh, put things in about her father in between the lines, and and it was very driving and very emotional. And after a minute or so, the audience stood up and started cheering for her, including myself. Wow. Uh, we all got so caught up in it. Anyway, I, I didn't know Lena Horne, so I didn't make any plan to go backstage and, and, and you know, and pay her a call. But, uh, 
But I did send her a bouquet of flowers the next day, and I just said from a grateful composer. <laughs> but then I got the nicest letter back from her the very next day, which I can pretty well quote to you because I have it. That I have framed in my shelf over here in my studio. <laughs> and it said uh, to the composer of my favorite song, you know, I have no idea what that song means has done, means to me because every time I sing it, I feel closer to my father. So it's just an interesting thing how, uh, and as a matter of fact, in Lena Horne's biography, uh, that story is told also from her biographer's point of view. And my song, and I mentioned her biography, so it's kind of a, a nice exchange. But in fact, I never met Lena Horne. That's really interesting, too, that uh, her and Jim Croce both uh, identify with their fathers with that song. A lot, a lot of people. I even heard that from Helen Reddy's husband. Record, uh, Helen Reddy recorded it, and her husband at the time, Jeff Wald, once said to me, uh, that song had been very meaningful to Helen when she, she lost some of her family members in Australia, going back and forth to, uh, to Australia, and she said uh, that song had a, a lot of meaning to her because of the significance of... Uh, uh, of uh, of the family and the father and all that. And uh, so it's just an interesting thing. Sometimes how songs hit nerves in people. And it's a kind of incredible experience for me to know that I've written something that, that moves people that, uh, and not just in this country, but in you know, many countries. And um, I feel very blessed to, to have been able to do that. Well, you have done some incredible work uh, in composing, and and also it, you're not you're not even finished. It, not too long ago, you wrote the theme song for the city of Beverly Hills. Well, so I'm, you're I'm, you're still very active. I'm in, very you know. active, but I'll I'll, t I'll tell you, I'm active not only just in those fields, but I'm, I'm also an active in, in classical music and uh, in a lot of different and theater music. But um, this past August, I was in Poland, and um, I was I conducted a premier performance of a new piece that I was commissioned to write by the Polish government, honoring the 200th birthday of Chopin. And so um, I went to Poland and we had a big concert. We did a concert of 22,000 people, standing shoulder to shoulder in the area where the uh, the uh, solidarity movement started. And actually, this concert was a was a, a 30 year anniversary of the solidarity movement. My own participation was under the 200th birthday Chopin, and the great American clarinetist uh, Eddie Daniels. Um, I wrote the piece for him, and he came. He he came as well, and uh, one of the great Polish pianists, a man named Leszek Moster. So we had this fantastic concert with 22,000 people. I conducted the orchestra, the premier performance. It was wow. televised, and everything it was quite a big deal there. And the very next day, I came home. We we premiered this song that you just mentioned, uh, the uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, official Beverly Hills theme song, 902 out Beverly Hills, that I wrote with Hal David. And we had the great Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis. Uh, oh, wow. There, and then they sang. And then, we, of course, mm -hmm. we've we recorded it since. So that's my life in music. I go from one one field to the other, and, and that's what I love to do. I, I love being in all these places. and uh, It keeps energizing me, you know? Wow. Well, it... it I find I, I I find it even more amazing as I speak to you, and, and I'm learning from you all these different things that you're doing. Uh, as I said, you're already uh, heavily responsible for the soundtrack of my of half my life. Mm -hmm. You know, between even uh, you know the "Killing Me Softly," which went from uh, Roberta Flack, who actually people don't know is not the first person to record it, but then of course, 20 years later, the Fugees take it. And uh, what did real quick? What did you think about that the the remake? You mean the remix or the redo? 
because there was a re, there was an actual remix of Roberta Flack's record when the Fuji's record was number one. Uh, someone remixed Roberta Flack's record and it became number one on the dance charts. <laughs> I didn't um, even realize that. It was kind of a real explosion at the time, and it was. Uh, uh, there's nothing like the feeling when you've written something and you've been fortunate enough to have the kind of success we had with Killing Me Softly. I mean, we we had probably over a thousand cover records uh, in wow. every language since that time. It was the number one record in every country. And then 20 years later, the same thing again. Consistently so, um, standing the test in the sands of time. It's it's just really incredible to know that there's a whole new generation of, uh, of, of young people that... Uh, for my birthday, I have to tell you, recently I had a birthday party, and uh, my 12-year-old, well, now 13-year-old grandson, uh, his, his present to me was to play and sing I Got a Name on the guitar. He's learning the guitar. Oh, wow. And um, you can imagine how that uh, how that makes me feel. That's mm. incredible. Wow. Well, the, the book is called Killing Me Softly, My Life in Music, and we got just a little glimpse of it to, to tonight. And it is available everywhere books are sold. And you have to get your hands on it and uh, and read this book. It's, it's a very well done book. And uh, Charles, once again, I you know, other than thanking you for your time, you've done so much great work. You continue to do great work with your music. And, um, and we not only wish you the best, we're very happy that you stay active and keep doing this because maybe over the next – you. Ten years, you'll be writing soundtracks for more people in future generations, and that's that's the important thing. That's the thing that's just awesome about you, and we appreciate well, it. Thank you so much. You know, this is not something when you write music, when you're privileged to write music, it's not something you give up. I mean, I'll, I'll never, I'll never put down my pen. I, uh, I have too many things I want to do, and too many things I want to accomplish in my life, and uh, it's it's wonderful to know that I have. Uh, you know, the, the choice is mine to do that, you know, and it's, uh, it's just a great feeling. I must say, if, if your audience would like to know, there is a, a website for my book. Yes. Uh, that's killingmesoftly.com. And uh, it's quite a nice website, and a lot of the, the quotes from the book and all that, and some pages. And uh, Roberta Flack wrote the forward for the book, and it's all there. If anyone wants to check check the book out, it's, uh, they can find it at killingmesoftly.com. Absolutely, and we're going to have that link posted for you. Uh, on our on our website forever. <laughs> well, it's a great great pleasure to have uh, have the chance to to go through it with you, Joel. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying doing it. What a pleasure was ours, Charles. Thank you so much. And again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything that you've done. And yes. I'd, I'd like you to enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, we look forward to more great stuff from you. Thank you so much. And God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Charles Fox, everyone, the great composer. Uh, you know his work. Now you know a little more about him. The website is killingmesoftly.com. That's where you can get the book, Killing Me Softly, My Life in Music. And I'm telling you firsthand, because I'm in the middle of the book, you have got to get your hands on this book. Wonderful stories out there. That was part one of our flashback episode featuring composer and songwriter Charles Fox. We have one more flashback for you coming up after the break on this special Easter weekend episode of The Joel Mahalik Show. We'll be right back. This is New York Super Oldie Station, 920 WON. The Apple, Brooklyn, New York. So I use my computer every day. I'm not even sure how I get along without it. But I wasn't prepared for a virus. A Trojan, they called it. One night I'm cruising along, and the next night I can't do anything. I was afraid it was going to cost me a fortune. Boy, was I surprised. They had me back up and running the same day I called them. 
I really like PC Tech Rescue, and you know what? My wallet likes them too. Are you troubled by computer problems? PC Tech Rescue should be your very next call. Whether the problem is viruses, hardware, software, or any other issue, they can diagnose your problem and have you back up and running fast. With more than 25 years of industry experience, you can be sure you are getting dependable and affordable service. Call today, 484-429-6061, or email us at pctechrescue at gmail.com. Welcome back to this special Easter weekend presentation of the Joel Mahalik Show. And we're doing flashbacks today, uh, being that it's Easter weekend. And uh, the lovely Sharon is busy cooking up uh, a blizzard of a meal. And we're glad you're here. Uh, remember, we didn't get to do this earlier because we went right into the flashbacks. But you can visit us at jmtalk.net. And that gets you to the website where you can listen to the show, and you can subscribe to the show, and you can listen to the 24-7 stream of all Joel Mahalik production stuff. So that's pretty cool. You can also visit us at Facebook at JM Talk and on Twitter at JM Talk Radio. Uh, so there are various ways to get a hold of us. You can also text the show, text your thoughts to the podcast at 484-429-6061. That's 484-429-6061. Text and message and rates apply. Uh, for our next piece coming up, we, uh, we're we going to flash back to... Um, now we're not going to do the interview uh, with John Bell, but we had this great guy on, John Bell. And he is the guy who is in charge of a very funny, very wonderful podcast called Bells in the Bat Free at thebatfree.com. And every episode is unique in its own way. John does voices and characters and he writes all the scripts and it, it just does amazing, amazing stuff. And what we did is we thought we would just play for you one of our favorites. And, uh, and 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 we did. We we pulled one that we aired a long time ago. Um, he is currently, if you go to the website, Bell. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the Bat Free, B A T F R Y dot com, the Bat dot com. He is posting. He'll be posting episode two nineteen this weekend. So he's been doing this a very long time. Uh, we have like episode fifty something is what we're going to play for you tonight. But give you a taste of one of our all time favorite episodes of Bells in the Bat Free. And that's coming up right now, right here on the Joel Mahalik Show. Enjoy this. The following program takes place in real time. Events occur in the time you actually hear them. My name is Jack Bauer. I'm a special agent for an anti-terrorist group called CTU. The following 24 minutes is going to be the longest half hour of my life. Minus six minutes. Bells of the Bat Free presents 24 Minutes. The following takes place between noon and noon 24. 
Our story opens at the offices of CTU, which stands for Catching Terrorist Underlings. The head of CTU is Maronica Maxwell. Dave, have we received any new information on that terrorist cell? It has 500 anytime minutes a month with family to family free. Does it have a rollover? Yes. What about the terrorist plot? Is it bad? It's worse than the plot for this show. The terrorists have planted a nuclear device somewhere in the United States, and it's due to go off in one week. Good. Then we have some breathing room. That was the message we got a week ago. Updating the message, it says that we have less than 24 minutes before the bomb goes off. Less than 24 minutes? How many less? However long it took us to get to this point in the show, less. We've got to find out where the bomb has been planted. Well, we do have the leader of the terrorist organization in our holding cell. We have a holding cell? How many minutes a month? I mean, the leader is our captive. He knows where the bomb is, but he's not talking. Went over its minutes, eh? He refuses to give us information. Has he been tortured? Public outcry has stopped all torturing in the USA. There's nobody left here who even knows how to torture. I know one man who'd know. Get me Jack Bauer on the phone. But he was thrown out of CTU for insubordination, disobeying orders, felony mischief, punching the president, and stealing office supplies. That's just the kind of man we need at CTU right now. Because he's tenacious? Because I'm out of paper clips. How long would it take to get Jack here? Hours. We don't have hours. Oh, then here he is. Hello, Maronica. Still screwing up the CTU with your incompetent management? No time for polite chit-chat, Jack. There's a bomb due to go off in just over 20 minutes. We have a man who knows where it is. You must interrogate him. I'm on my way. But first, I gotta ask Victor here something. Victor, can you coordinate all the computers in CTU to data mine all information pertaining to the movement of fissionable materials in the last 24 hours? Of course I can do that. What do you think I am? Some typical PC user? Get me that information as soon as you can. I'll be in the interrogation room. But first, I gotta make a phone call. Hello, this is Tony Alameda. Tony, Jack. Jack. Trouble. Plenty. Back up. Affirmative. CTU. PDQ. A-OK. CYA. 10-4. Here's the interrogation room. You guards clear out. I want to be alone with this man. Why do you think he wants to be alone? Must be one of them broke back mountain kind of things. All right, Slimeball, you're going to tell me where that bomb is. Sure, I tell you, the bomb is Won't looking... talk, huh? Uh, no, well, I... then... Maybe you'll talk if you have a hole in your knee. No, that is not necessary. The bomb is... Ow, oh, you sucked my kneecap! Time is running out. Tell me where the bomb is. Los Angeles. Again? Can't you guys pick on any city besides Los Angeles? We keep hoping to see famous stars. Where in Los Angeles? Well, it's... Out. Where? Well, it's... Out. Where? The target. Where is the target? The target. Maybe you'll talk if you have a hole in your head. What? Ooh. Hmm. Maybe he wouldn't. Tony, where are you? I'm in the 200-mile drive, Okie Doke Jack, and I'm outside CTU right now. I just need to find a parking space. When you get in, you're in charge. Got it? I need you as my inside man. Why is that? I think there's a mole in the CTU. Double agent? No. Double agent is so 60-sounding. Oh. Mole is much more hip. Mole it is, then. Get in when you can. Victor, do you get that information on fissionable material? Yes. I cross-checked every bait and tackle store in the country. Here's a complete list of everyone that's moved fishing materials. Fishing material. Yeah, well, thank you. That'll be a big help. Attention, everybody. Your attention, please. Is anybody in here a mole for the bad guys? Okay, that's what I thought. Moles out. Everybody, out. M square. Let's go. Hit the road. Come on. Let's move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. You two. Scram. Thank you, Veronica. 
Who is in charge of screening personnel here at CTU? That's my job. What kind of intensive, probing, revealing questions do you ask potential agents? Questions? Yes, questions. Jack, I am a strong, hard-bitten, tough-as-nails leader. I do what I want as I see fit. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm in total charge of any situation. Tony's on his way in. He's taking over. Okie dokie. I'm flying to Budapest. But the bomb is here in L.A. There's a connection there. who will have more information. But I don't have time to tell you about it. The bomb is set to go off in 19 minutes and 17 seconds. While you were talking, I booked you a flight. It takes off in 30 seconds from LAX. Good heavens. That's barely enough time for me to shower, shave, and hit the road. Meanwhile, somewhere in Los Angeles... <laughs> we planted a bomb. And a good bomb it is, too. Very good bomb. Very, very high-tech. Yes, it's good to be back in action again. Yes, it's good to be back. In the trenches. We are now landing in Budapest. Please return your seats to the upright position and stow all weapons beneath your seats. This is Jack Bauer. I can't talk now, sweetie. I'm in a car driving to a secret location. Patty, I've been kidnapped. Again? Can you come rescue me? I'm a bit busy right now. I'm on a bicycle on a dirt trail. Is this the People's Red Brigade kidnapping? No, that was last week. The Jihad Gentleman of Jersey? Yesterday. Uh, Look, Patty, come rescue me, okay? Honey, I've got to save the world. Patty! All right, I'll swing by. Where are you? Yeah, fine. Okay, look, I gotta go. Jack Bauer. Jack, finally I get you on the phone. This is your current romantic interest, remember? What is it? I'm kind of stressed for time here. Time, that's what I called about. Jack, when do we get time together? I'm not seeing you. We need to discuss things. I'll call you back. Cleo, are you there? Jack, my new desk is too small. This phone smells funny. How come nobody wants to go out with me? Cleo, I need you to get all the government satellites to look for Dim. She's somewhere on the Earth's surface. No problem. How are things in Budapest? I just roller skated down the side of a mountain to meet with my contact. Gotta go. Hello? Marvin! Hello? Are you in there? Is that you, Jack? Yeah, it's me. Open fire, guys. Hi, Marv. Jack, how'd you get in here? I knew you'd have a trap set for me at the front door, so I used the spoon to tunnel in. What do you know about the bomb, Marvin? The one in San Francisco? The one in L.A. Not the one in Washington. L.A., Marv. And be quick. I only have 16 minutes, 56 seconds. And I won't waste time telling you where the bomb is. I'll have my private pilot take you in my jet. Excellent. This will look good on your permanent record, Marvin. Works and plays well with others. Meanwhile, the President of the United States addresses the nation. Ladies and gentlemen of the United Country of States of America... As your president, it is my sad duty to inform you that there's a bomb somewhere in the country of ours. And it will go off in just a few minutes. But I can't tell you this because you're panicked. Oh, wait, these are my private notes. Fellow citizens, all is well. We have decided to surrender to the terrorists. Look at the big purple lizard. Uh Uh-oh. Later, dear. Now, about my re-election. Tell me about the rabbits, dear. Jack, where are you? I'm in a private jet flying back to L.A. We're currently over Minnesota. We found Dim. She's in Minnesota. You did a great job, Cleo. Remind me to respect you more. Can I get a computer upgrade, like, to an Xbox 360? Not now, you silly twit. Excuse me, pilot. 
Do you have a parachute? Uh, sure, right here. But why would you want to... So long. Hey, hey! Hey, you left your peanuts! Yo. Tony? That you, Jack? Yeah, I'm parachuting into Minnesota. I had to blow up the plane I was in. No, we just need to blow up something every minute or so or we'll lose our audience. Are you making progress at your end? Oh, yeah, excellent progress. I think there's a Volvo that's going to pull out of a space in a few minutes. I'll be parked in no time. Keep up the good work. Patch me over to Cleo. Cleo here. Where are you, Jack? I've landed in Minnesota to find my daughter. It's a good thing you're there. Some terrorists blew up a private jet in flight and the debris landed on the Knights of Columbus picnic. Oh, um, yeah, I'll uh, look into that when I get the chance. Uh, check out. I don't think anybody will miss this Model T. <sighs> Jack Bow Wower. Jack, finally. This is still your current romantic interest, Lulu. What do you want? Lynn, are we getting together? You promised we need time. There's a lot to discuss. So much has happened. Yeah. Jack, you're changed since you've gone to CTU. I've heard you raise your voice. Jack, we need to discuss. I don't raise my voice and I'll call you back. Halt! Who goes there? I'm just a tourist. Uh, where am I? You're at Minnesota's greatest landmark. The Big Ball of Twine. Big Ball of Twine, huh? Take this! How did you know? If you were really a Minnesotan, you would have called it the biggest ball of twine. Where's my daughter? Where's Dim? Inside the Big Ball of... Where's Dim? Jeez, I'm trying to tell you. Inside the Big Ball of Twine. Since I gave you that information... Will you not kill me? Should have negotiated before you told me. Dim! Dim! Hello? Daddy! Dim! I'm at the Twine Ball in Minnesota. I can't find you. Oh! <laughs> One of the kidnappers fell for me and helped me escape, but he got killed in an ambush by a rival kidnapping gang, and while they were fighting it out, I got kidnapped. Great. Where are you? Stay brave, honey. I'll find you. Okay, Doc. Cleo, are you there? Where else would I be? They work me too hard. My hair's a mess. Do you think I have an overbite? You need to get all the satellites looking for... Looking for Dim, yes, I know. The president has authorized the launching of 25 new satellites just for keeping track of your daughter. Let me know when you get lucky. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C. Mr. President, as ambassador from some unnamed Soviet country, I must insist that we speak in private. Okie doke, Mr. Sinamovich. Please step into this room. You, Secret Service, keep out. This is a private meeting. I must protest, sir. I cannot allow you to meet in private with Mr. Sinamovich. We have reason to believe he may try something. He knows I'm happily married. No, sir. I mean, he may try to kidnap you to divert our attention away from finding the bomb. No, don't be ridiculous. Let us meet in private. Very well, sir. Well, we're finally alone. What is it you wanted to discuss? We discuss how you are now my hostage, and this will divert attention from finding bomb. <laughs> oh, poop. This is Jack Bowauer. Jack, this is Cleo. Where are you? I'm flying over the ocean as some kind of time and spaceship. What's up? It's about the kidnapping. You found him? No, the president. The president found him? No, the president's been kidnapped. What is it, contagious? Should you help the president or find the bomb? I should have plenty of time to do both. Jack out. Thanks for giving me a lift, Mr... Uh, doctor, Dr. Steve. Where are you headed? 1776. I'm going to pick up some valuable autographs. Can I drop you off at any particular date or time? No, no, no. On this show, we don't take time shortcuts. <laughs> Yes, bologna would be nice, Fidget. Uh, would you like a sandwich too, mister? No time. Gotta save the world. Oh, well, good luck with that. You know, this is quite a ship. 
Are you the most brilliant scientist in the world? That depends. Does the name Dr. Floyd ring a bell? No. Then yes, I am. Well, uh, time for you to go, so to speak. Uh, there's the exit. Now watch that first step. As I Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. Uh, is this your hut? Yes. What's your name? My name is Locke. This is my pad. A padlock, huh? Are you a castaway? Yeah. How did you get here? Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started out in Australia aboard Oceanic. The turbulence was getting rough, the jumbo jet was tossed. Regardless of the efforts of a fearless crew, the tail section was lost. The tail section was lost? That's right. The tail section was lost. What next? It was really, really bad. So tell me what you had. No phones, no lights, no motor cars. I tell you, it's no joke. Just the occasional polar bear and some black intelligent smoke. So join us in the bunker, my friend, and meet your destiny. And try to figure out what the hell's going on with the Lost 43. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Well, I had to change the music around so it wouldn't get no, sued. No, no, I mean the whole cockamamie story. It's just ridiculous. Well, look who's talking, Mr. Travel Around the World, in 24 minutes. That reminds me. I've only got 10 minutes and 15 seconds to find the bomb. Is there a way off this island? If there was, don't you think we would have used it? Then Ellie is doomed. Okay, listen, shh. Go about a mile that way. Uh -huh. You'll find the Honolulu Airport. Oh. Just don't tell anybody. Thanks. And watch out for the others. Uh -huh. They're a heartless, bloodthirsty crew. Natives? Network executives. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the White House... You can't hold me prisoner like this. You must let me go. Niet! Only way out for you is to attempt to fight me, man to man. Uh, eh? Take my weapon away from me. Eh? Eh? Come on, no, come on, come on. right if that's what it takes. Take this and this. This too. Oh boy, I should have kidnapped uh, First Lady. Uh, Maybe I did. Yeah, Jack. Jack, Tony. Tony, I'm flying back to L.A. What's your status? We found the jet. We found it. Great, you found the bomb. We found the parking space. Oh. Uh, Cleo's laying down in it right now, so nobody can take it. Okay. Jim, is that you? Daddy! I escaped from the kidnappers, but I'm gonna need a new car. Oh, I have one of the kidnappers in the trunk, and he knows where the bomb is. Open the trunk and let me talk to him. Okie doke. Daddy wants to talk to you. It's very hot in here. Where's the bomb? I don't think I am going to make the it. The bomb? Where is it set to go off? The target! Yes! The target! Ah! Jack! Yes, I'm here, Tony. No, I mean the jack fell on him. He's dead. Oh, our time is almost up. We'll never find the target. I know where it is. Tony, did Dim just say something? Oh, uh, yeah, she did. Did it sound like something that could be potentially helpful? Yeah, it did. I'm scared, man. I guess I'd better talk to her. Bring her to the phone. Yo, Dim, old man wants to talk to you. Hi, Daddy. Do you know where the target is? Yeah, Daddy. Of course. When they talked about the target, they really meant the target. Let me talk to Tony. Am I getting a new car or what? Yes, sweetheart. Let me talk to Tony. Okie doke. Yo, 
Tony here. Where are you, Jack? I'm surrounding the Target store here in L.A. All by yourself? I'm very fast. Oh. I'm in the parking lot right now. Send for backup. Send for backup. Send it here immediately. I'm going to get inside. I'm going to get through this parking lot. Yo, backup's on its way, Jack. <laughs> hey, you, take this. Hey, hey. That'll teach you to park in a handicapped space. <laughs> hey, hey, you kid, selling those Girl Scout cookies. Eat grenades. <laughs> Nothing stops the good old USA. Okay, I'm around this corner. I gotta get inside. I gotta get past all these carts. Okay, okay, I'm outside. I'm outside. Ooh, that popcorn smells good. I'll have to get some when I get inside. All right, here goes nothing. All right, everybody, everybody, just listen to me. Attention, everybody, please just settle down. Attention, there is not a problem. I just need to know. Has anybody here seen a large nuclear bomb? Oh, boy. Like, uh, that'd be like aisle five, man. Oh. You know, household goods and small electronics. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Aisle one. Aisle two. Aisle three. Aisle four. There it is. There it is. Now, where's my backup? A helicopter landing on all that Hello Kitty merchandise. Over here, fellas, over here. Here we are, sir. We're here at your disposal. I'm Agent Franklin. That's Agent Franklin. Yo. He's Agent Franklin. Hey. That's Agent Franklin over there. There's Agent Franklin, Franklin, hey. Franklin, Franklin and Franklin. Hi. You can call us Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Jack. So which one of you is our bomb disposal expert? Well, uh, that would be you, Jack. I'm afraid none of us are really qualified for that, but we did bring you something really handy. What did you bring me? A really nifty countdown device that tells you how many seconds are left before the bomb goes off. Look. Detonation in five minutes, 40 seconds. Cool, huh? We got it down on aisle seven. We can't waste any more time. The thing I need you guys to do is clear out this store now. All right, you heard it, guys. Clear out the store now. What? When I said clear the store out, I mean get the people out of the store. Yeah? Alive. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, everybody that's left, uh, you want to head to the immediate exits there? You want to move along there? Yeah, scoot, scoot, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Bow Wow, to give you plenty of room. I'm going to get rid of all the other agents here, and I'm going to be the one staying right here just in case you need assistance, okay? First, I've got to gather together some bomb-diffusing tools. Oh, yeah, they'll be over in aisle 14. Uh, we shop here all the time. Okay, this will take a few minutes. In the meantime, I wonder how the hostage situation in the White House is going on. Oh, I heard that the head of CTU, Moronica, has shown up and is negotiating with the terrorists holding the president hostage. <laughs> Head of CTU, you have nothing to put on table. That's where you're wrong, Sonobovich. You think I'm going to fold and leave you all the chips. We don't work that way at CTU. I think you're bluffing. Bluffing me? <laughs> I think you have nothing. So here's what I'm going to offer. Do your best. Careful, Moronica. I think he's got something up his sleeve. All he's got there is a bad tattoo. I'm going to see your 20-ruble raise and raise you $50. And I call. You've got, you've got the $50? That, that is much money. Put up or shut up, Al. No. You've already bet all your money, your rifle, and the president. Can I get off the table yet? Not yet, sir. It's all up to our host. I, 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 your Khrushchev in a bucket. I fold. Take your crummy president. Dave, 
Collect my winnings. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Not him, you idiot. The cash. Oh, right. Sorry. We will play again, head of CTU. And when we do, it will be old maid. Take him away. You cannot blame me. I am old and lovely man. Mr. President, your wife is here to see you. Honey, always good to see you. What an experience I've had. How was your day? The blue fairy took me to the land of pickles. Yes, <laughs> of course. Say, dear, there's somebody I'd like you to meet. <laughs> Mr. Sinabovich, wait! Wait just a minute! Oh, no, you don't keep it away from me! I'm not that lonely! You did a great thing today, Veronica. But it will all be for naught. If Jack can't disarm that bomb, that bomb, that bomb, that bomb, that bomb. And so the president was saved, and he lived happily ever after. <laughs> Gee, that was a good story. Yes. Well, Can I have another one? No, no, it's time for no, you to go to please, bed. please, Grandpa. I'm sorry, let please. me tuck you in. Uh-oh. Give you a little kiss. Nighty-night. Um, Nighty-night, Grandpa. <laughs> well, I suppose I'll catch a little TV now, and then some shut-eye. Uh, I wonder who that could be. Coming, coming. Yes, may I help you? What are you doing in my show? Your show? Listen, young man, I heard that harp gliss thing, and that means that we're wrapping up the story, and this was the best I way to... I don't have time to argue. Take like this. Ar- I don't believe this. I only have 24 minutes to save the world, and we change from an accident adventure to some sappy bedtime story. i got to get back into my show now. Let's see. Okay, uh, where were we? Detonation in two minutes, ten seconds. Oh, okay, thanks. This is it. I've got about two minutes left. I've got all my tools. I've got to disarm that bomb. Hey, Mr. Bowwower, we're going to be right behind you. About six miles behind you down the road. We've cleared out the entire area. We've set up a perimeter. I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. You're all set to go. All right, here I... Detonation in one minute, 46 seconds. Could you... Turn that off, please. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, the pressure thing and everything. Yeah, I don't know if I can. Uh... And you stand right there, just in case I need you. All right. All right. Here goes. Go! Oh! Jack Bowauer. Jack! Jack, this is your current romantic interest, Lulu, again. <sighs> you know what? I've been thinking. I can take it if you raise your voice once in a while. Um, I've been thinking there's a lot we can do with our relationship. Seconds. Can you hold on to this phone for me, please? Oh, sure, yeah, Mr. Bowauer. All right, now to take care of this. Now to take care of this. Mr. Bowauer? Uh, is um, something wrong, sir? Where's the bathroom? The bathroom, sir? I- I've been traipsing nonstop around the world. Well, yeah, but I really need to go to the bathroom. Uh, right over there, sir, but I think... I'll be right back. Yeah, but I, um... Um, okay, um, make it quick. enough time to disarm that and there you have it kiddies bells in the bat free with a, uh, a very comedic take and parody on 24 one of my favorite shows ever on television uh, but they did a great job with it very funny stuff and I hope you enjoyed it uh, so 
Uh, so it's Easter weekend. The weather is nice in most parts of the country. Uh, so hopefully you're getting out and doing some things and enjoying yourselves. Uh, and uh, whatever you're doing, I hope you're being safe. I'm going to get ready to get out of here and have a delicious ham dinner. And uh, I, it, it's it's weird. I, I wanted to do uh, a show on uh, food traditions for different holidays. But you know what? We have 52 weeks in a year, so plenty of opportunity to do these kinds of things. Plenty of opportunity. But anyway... Uh, I want to tell you that the website is jmtalk.net, and I'd like you to stop by there if you can't get enough of us. If you cannot wait until the next podcast drops, then you can go there and you can click on the 24-7 stream button, and you can listen to us all the time right there on the web. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode, and also visit us at jmtalk over there at Facebook and on Twitter at jmtalkradio. So the various ways you can get a hold of us. Next week on the podcast, we will resume our regular features of Honor Thy Heroes and Wombat of the Week. And we've got two new ones for you. Uh, so that will all resume next week at our regularly regularly scheduled podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this flashback, getting a taste of some of the things that I used to do way back. Pulling out files from the old radio days. I'm still in radio. Why would I even say that? But anyway, so I'm pulling out some things from the old radio days and hoping that you enjoy these flashback episodes that we've been doing here and there as circumstances call for. Uh, we'll be doing some more equipment testing uh, because we're getting ready for uh, the summer season, which means we'll be traveling our weekends. And so we'll be testing some more equipment. We're modifying some things because we want to make sure that we can bring you uh, the podcast each week. And not only that, maybe some special segments and some special Facebook Live videos uh, from our travels. Uh, meanwhile, make sure to visit the website for all the goodies. Uh, give us a shout out. You can email us at joelmaholicradio at gmail.com. Send us an email. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And we want you to love and not hate and be good to each other. Because that's the way we're going to cure things. Okay? Meanwhile, we'll catch you next week on the Joel Mahalik Show podcast. Behave. Happy Easter, everybody. Good night. Good night.